Does everybody have a restful time being able to stay at home today and to hopefully get some rest? We had an opportunity to several of the family play a game, which was fun. We did not do that enough. I enjoy that when I can round up. Everybody goes so many directions, you know. It's a real joy when you can get everybody together long enough to do something together. Grateful for that. A uh, couple announcements. Jeff had mentioned February 1st, that chili cook-off. Um, please bring some chili. We get the word out to everybody that night. And um, some desserts. And what I want to do, and I had a chance to really talk to Mr. Jeff, is i got a sign-up sheet out there. And uh, would love for people before to each do something in the service. We do that occasionally. Um, you know, it may be, maybe you have a skit you'd like to do. I love skits. Those would be interested in that. Maybe sing a song, something you'd like to read. Uh, maybe you'd like to write something, share something. Uh, just an opportunity to do that before we go in there and share. And obviously share from our hearts because it's a time to worship together. So it would be a real blessing. And let's remember next week, too, as um, Eric Mottern is coming, and he's going to be with us, and we'll have a chance to meet him and for the youth to meet him and see if God is in Eric ministering here at Kingsway. So let's keep that in prayer and seek God's heart uh, with him. I think think that's all the announcements that uh, could be made earlier. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, it's good to be here. I thank you for these people I see that I love, Lord. And Father, I, I know others um, who normally be here better not. I'm sure due to, to weather. And Father, we just thank you for loving us, God. For meeting our needs. For working in our lives. Father, uh, we're so blessed and we don't even know it at times, God. It takes something being removed for us to be aware of how blessed we are sometimes. And I'm certainly not asking for that in my life or the life of anyone here. So God, keep us aware of You and Your precious love, God. And I just pray that You work through um, this message, Father, as we look at the life of this disciple named Thomas, who so often gets a bad rap. Father, we love you and we look to you, Father. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, I'm looking several places. Uh, we're going to look, been looking at the different apostles, and tonight I want to look at John. I mean, not John, Thomas. Did John last time and had him on my mind here. First, let's look at John 11, 16. Then Thomas, called Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go that we may die with him. I want to begin by this word Didymus literally means twin. Thomas the twin. Um, There were several ideas about this what this meant, twin. Some said, obviously, he had a twin brother or a twin sister. You know, some have speculated maybe one of the other apostles was his twin. I don't know. I have no fact for any of that speculation. 
Others have said maybe his real name was Judas. You know, there was already two Judases in the disciples, so you know it's kind of like Daryl, Daryl, and Daryl, but it had been Judas, Judas, and Judas, and you know. So anyway, his name is Twin. The other thing that we see about this guy is he is most known for his doubting, known as Doubting Thomas. But I think as we look at him tonight, hopefully when we leave, that won't be what we remember him for as we kick over near the end in John 20. Because I don't want him remembered that way. I I think there's something far greater to look at with this guy as we look together at his life. Although, um, I do sound only remember as a doubter, I think it is fair to say that he was one of these guys who tended to be pessimistic, down. You know, Murphy's Law. Um, when things are going well, something will go wrong. When things just can't get any worse, they will. Anytime things appear to be going better, you have overlooked something. You know, people. some people, I mean, they're just geared where they just see the glass half empty instead of half full. I remember uh, this one lady at church where I served, and I knew her for just over five years, and my whole mission was to get her to say something positive. And I tried, guys, for five years. I would go and I would be as optimistic, upbeat, trying to get any joy out of the spirit I could to uplift this lady. And she always had a negative comeback. I never did, you know. And what was interesting about it was she was always, oh, I'm going to die. I feel so terrible. I hurt all over. My life's falling apart. And she outlived all her relatives. She was the last one, you know, in the family. And it was like, why, Lord? It's just negative. And as you look at Thomas, um, I think we'll see that he certainly had a negative component to his personality and his character. And let's begin in John 11, looking at uh, the Bethany incident as we see this uh, about him. Uh, Looking at verse 1, you guys remember the account. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Now, this is the account. And there had to be a, well, just a lot of heartache because they were close to Mary and Martha and they were close to Lazarus and he was very sick. He was dying. They had cried out to Jesus. They had been close enough to Jesus to see that if there was any hope for Lazarus to recover, they needed Jesus to come and to comfort them. And so here are the disciples and Jesus and they're gathered together and they're preparing to go to help Lazarus. As uh, we go on, drop down to verse 11. After he had said this, as he had talked about how he was going to die, he, he had shared 
Oh, matter of fact, let me let me go back on up to verse four, not skip down there. It said when he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory, so that God's son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. What a horrible time that must have been for all. Then he said to his disciples, Let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews tried to stone you, and yet you are going back there. Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? A man who walks by day will not stumble, for he sees by this world's light. It's when he walks by night that he stumbles, for he has no sight. After he said this, he went on to tell them, My friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. They didn't totally understand what was going on. Look at their reply. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. So, now imagine this. He says, it's time to go. He says, guys, he's dead. I'm going to go. I'm going to raise him from the dead. And in the midst of this, you know, earlier the the disciples came together and they said, We don't want to go there, Lord. Last time we were there, they took a bunch of big rocks and they tried to kill you. And we were with you, Lord. And we don't like big rocks because they hurt. My skin and my body can get crushed by big rocks. So there was fear among the disciples about this place because they remembered what happened the last time they were there. Now that gives us insight as we look at verse 16. Now Thomas, you know, Jesus is going to raise Lazarus from the dead, guys. He's all powerful. He's, he's the Lord. He's the creator. He's the miracle worker. But notice what he says. Then Thomas said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. What he see? He didn't see the miracle worker. Jesus, oh, we're going to die. Oh, I'm ready. Doom and gloom, guys. You know, we're with Jesus. If we're going to check out of here, that's who you want to be with. You want to be with Jesus. We've lived a long time. God's been good to us, but we're not going to make it this time. We're not going to survive this. He was at that point where he all he saw was, we're not going to get out of this. But rather than just seeing that, we can look at his commitment. You know, when you look at John, as we looked at last week, John was the disciple whom Jesus loved. He was reclining up against Jesus. He wanted to be near Jesus. But here we have Thomas who says, I want to be more than near to Jesus. I can't live without Him. I'd rather go and die with Him. That was his heart. Yeah, he he, he tended to be depressed and, and down, but we can't knock his... Love for Jesus. His commitment to Jesus. He wanted to stick close. How much different is that than Peter? You, you remember Peter's words. Lord, I'm ready to go with you into prison and to death. And we know what happened with that. He didn't follow through with his action. But that wasn't Thomas. Thomas, guys, was ready to follow through with his action, with his devotion to Christ. All right, uh, let's look at another passage here. John 14 over a couple of chapters 
We read this a lot, uh, hear it a lot at funerals when we talk about heaven. Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Now he's just predicted uh, Peter's denial. They've heard about his death around the corner. He says, trust in God, trust also in me in my Father's house or many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. They're hearing Jesus talk about another place where their homes prepared for them. But I love Thomas's honesty. Look, look how he responds. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Thomas said, Lord, you know, this all sounds good, Lord, but we don't have a clue what you're talking about, Lord. Where? How can we go with you? He wanted to be with Jesus. He said, Lord, don't leave. See, I think he heard part of it, but when he heard Jesus say, I'm leaving, that's all he heard. Jesus is leaving. How can I go with him? Where's he going? Why would he leave us? So he says, Lord, we don't know the way. And of course, the answer is our life, is our hope. Um, the way is not in some kind of philosophy. It's not in some perfect ideal. But rather, it's Jesus Himself. Jesus answered, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So Thomas uh, showed his complete love for Jesus. And then there's one more incident that shows us Thomas. And it's the one that we usually think of when we think of Thomas, doubting Thomas. And it's found in John chapter 20. Verses, I want to look at verses 24 through 29. Now Thomas called Didymus, that's the twin, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We've seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. Now he's taken a lot of criticism for that statement. I, you know, where was he? He wasn't with the other disciples. Well, looking at his personality, I imagine that he was one of these people who just needed to be by himself. He didn't want to be in a crowd. He wanted to grieve by himself. I remember when I was a teenager and when I would get depressed, I'd go in my room and lock the door and listen to the saddest songs I could find. Usually it was over some girl, you know. But, you know, there are times when you're depressed and when you're down, you just want to be by yourself. And I, I believe this meshes with his personality. More than likely, he was off by himself grieving. He wanted to be more than anything else with Jesus. It's that simple. And Jesus was gone. And no one else could replace Jesus. And he was crushed. He was devastated. His hope had been removed, guys. Um, that's just the simple truth. He was looking for the risen 
Lord. It says a week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting. And believe. You know, as I thought about this with Thomas, I think the honest position of Thomas was, my heart has been crushed. And quite honestly, guys, I can't take another disappointment. If what you're saying is not true, I won't survive. I can't deal with it. I'm at the end of what I can withstand. And so I think that's why he made that statement. I have to totally 100% know that what you're saying is true. And, and don't you love the patience of Jesus? Jesus says, okay, touch me. I'll give you what you need, Thomas. I'll give you what you need. Now, this next statement, this is what I think we need to remember, how we need to remember Thomas. Instead of doubting Thomas, guys, he is the only one, as we look through the Gospels, who encountered Jesus and made this statement. And what an awesome statement. Look at what he says in verse 28. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Guys, he went through doubts, but who doesn't go through doubts? If your faith is genuine and real, you face doubts. But what really strikes me about him is his ultimate statement. He said, my Lord and my God. Because ultimately, that's what matters. That's what counts. Is his ultimate confession. He said, Jesus, you, you're it. You're my Lord. You're my boss. But even more than that, you're my God. You're the one that I look to. Now, I want to look at a couple of truths uh, here in regard to uh, looking at Thomas concerning doubt. First, doubt is not the opposite of faith. Sometimes when we have our doubts, we believe that we do something that God will not forgive. But doubt is not the opposite of faith, it's unbelief. Working through true belief requires faith, and if you have it all together, you don't need faith. Listen to this statement uh, from Flannery O'Connor. Doubt always coexists with faith, for in the presence of certainty, who would need faith at all? And uh, turn me to Mark chapter 9, a familiar passage to many of us, uh, that I love just the honest statement that is given here. Mark 9, verses 22 through 24. Let me go to 21. It said, Jesus asked the boy's father, How long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered, It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. I'm talking about the demon. And if we can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for him who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. 
See, there's the presence of both. He says, I believe, Lord, help me overcome my unbelief. Doubt is mixed with faith and looking to God. We're called to live by faith, not by sight. But that's a constant struggle at times to look with what we cannot grasp and see. That's faith. The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Um, Secondly, doubt is not unforgivable. God just wants us to be honest with our doubts and come to Him and not play games. Remember when John the Baptist was in prison and he was having doubts? He had proclaimed Him as the Lamb of God, but he was struggling. Uh, Let's look at that Matthew 11. First couple of verses. It says, when John, verse 2, heard in prison what Christ was doing, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who was to come or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cured. The deaf hear, the dead are raised. And the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. John was having some big time doubts. But he looked for answers. He didn't stop just because of the doubts. He looked for answers. Jesus gave him those answers. In verse uh, 27, back to John 20. Jesus said to him, Stop doubting and believe, which insinuates that we have a choice to cultivate either a life of believing or a life of not believing. A life of trusting God to be at work or not believing He's going to show up and do His work. We can cultivate those. And so we need to trust Him in that uh, for the answers. In response to Thomas' confession of faith, um, Jesus said, Thomas, because you've seen Me, you've believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. History tradition tells us that Thomas was faithful to share the good news and ended up dying as a result of it. Thrust through, they said, with a spear in his side. Okay, a couple of more things about doubt. I'm done with doubt and I'm done. How do we win over doubt? Because doubt does happen in our lives. First, to find the root of the doubt. Sometimes our doubt is a result of a misunderstanding about who God is. Sometimes we have the false idea that God is always going to bow to our wishes. And that when we pray, we pray in Jesus' name, and that's the stamp that God's going to say, yes, you can have it. But it's not always that way. I remember uh, what church that I was in... um, this lady got on fire for Jesus. 
she was so excited. She ended up going to Bible college and everything. Um, she got in with a friend who was very emotional in her faith, and I'm not knocking it because we Baptists tend to be kind of dead, so I think it's good to have some emotion. But in this case, there was a mutual friend who was dying of cancer, and they were so emotional and they were praying so fervently that God would heal her, take away this cancer and restore her and only if they prayed hard enough and they prayed fervently enough and if they believed she'd be healed and so she asked me what, what I thought of that and, and uh, I said well it doesn't always work that way I don't like to see anybody I love suffer but I don't have the power even in my prayer if it's not what God is going to do she got real mad at me, stomped off, wouldn't talk to me. So I, I sent her a letter. I said, you know, I thought about this person that you said dearly love, and I think that it's wonderful that you are praying for her healing. But you know what happened? She died. She wouldn't talk to me, so I wrote her another note. I said, you know, God always heals. But here's the key. Sometimes He heals us for a temporary time and sometimes the healing is permanent. And you know what I mean. When the healing is permanent, He takes us home. In this case, it was true healing. Because any kind of temporary healing, when He does a miracle, it's still temporary. But when His healing is forever, it's forever. We need to understand that God is God and we are not. And sometimes we don't know how to pray. I'm not saying don't pray for people to be healed. We need to pray. I mean, I want to pray that way. But sometimes it may just not be His plan. Secondly, um, when we're struggling with the doubt, don't isolate yourself. Notice what John the Baptist did, and this is my last point. He he went to get news from Jesus. He went to get some help. Sometimes the worst thing we can do is run off by ourselves somewhere and not seek the support of other people and our church family and those who love us and the Scriptures. Someone said... Uh, Man all wrapped up in himself is a small package. And we're not meant to be alone. Thomas uh, went by himself. And there's a time to be by yourself, but he was gone so long that he wasn't there when Jesus showed up. It's good to be alone, but let's not isolate ourselves to the point where we miss the blessings he has for us. So Let's not hide, but... Let's be willing to seek some help. Let's pray. Lord, thank You for each one here tonight, God. I know we don't have large numbers, but uh, we're here, God. And I believe it pleases You that we want to put You first. That we want to set aside time that's Yours. That we want to honor You. Because, Lord, You, you gave Your life. 
Thomas said, uh, I'm willing to go and die. I don't think he was happy about it, but Lord, he wanted to be with you. And Lord, may you cultivate that in each of us, Lord, that we may want to be with you. All kinds of stuff happens. Sometimes we see you and your plan. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes we doubt and we get discouraged. Sometimes we get negative. Sometimes we lose sight of the fact that you're here with us. Father, help us. Father, we believe. Help our unbelief. And ultimately, Lord, may we remember Thomas not as a doubter, but as one who said, My Lord and my God. And when the doubts begin to drown us, Lord, may we scream out in our hearts, My Lord and my God. For it's in your glorious name we pray. Amen.